Praise be Jesus Christ, and welcome to episode 5 of CarmelCast. I'm Brother John Mary of Jesus Crucified. And I'm Brother Pier Giorgio of Christ the King. CarmelCast is a production of the Institute of Carmelite Studies Publications. You can visit our website at icspublications.org. So last week, we, in our last episode, we talked about uh, passive prayer. And um, I think that was a good way to sort of wrap up um, our three episodes kind of on the gradation of prayer from um, the most active forms of prayer, the prayers where we're doing the most work, um, and then moving on uh, through where we're doing less work and God is doing more work, and that's more passive prayer or um, supernatural prayer, as some people call it, or even just contemplation. Um, so rather than uh, continuing on um, the treasure trove of content that we could uh, talk about with regard to passive prayer, and we really could do several episodes on this, um, I thought it would be good to um, just sort of take a little bit of a detour um, to talk about some of the roadblocks that we come across in our times of prayer, um, the things that, the walls, the barriers, the things that sort of um, come up for anybody in the, in the time of prayer, and those are just sort of difficulties, the, the things the di- things that are difficult about prayer and the, the things that come up and how to deal with those things. It's interesting that when we were talking about this episode, we felt like this is really the, the one episode that we felt qualified to talk about, <laughs> the one uh, talking about difficulties that you face during prayer, uh, especially talking about distractions and mm-hmm. dryness, um, because that is something that we experience on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that everyone does, right? We all, we all can, um, you know, if we've ever engaged in sort of a period of prayer, um, we all know when distractions come. We all know what that feels like. And uh, it's, yeah, all of these sort of times when they arise in prayer are really opportunities. Um, I think they're opportunities for us to grow in self-knowledge about the sort of things that distract us, right? Um, and I think we can even divide this up a little bit into things that um, I think we have more control over um, in our time of prayer, the distractions that are the result of maybe bad habits that we have, um, or just things that uh, as, that are just sort of a result of, um, yeah, just daily life, right? Um, daily life in the modern world, um, certain things that we sort of take for granted that maybe we should look at it, whether how important they are within our life. Yeah, and so there's also um, distractions that maybe we have less control over. Um, there's particular seasons in our life where we're, we struggle with different things. We just become, we're just more distracted because of, um, maybe there's illness in the family or there's just a, a difficult situation in our life. It's finals week, um, things like that, that, um, that just sort of distract us and we can't really do anything about them. But we can maybe come up with some uh, ideas to deal with them, right? So that's what really this episode's all about, to talk about um, the issues, how these distractions arise, and then how to deal with them. Yeah, yeah because we live in, I mean, I think we live in a very distracted world right now. Um, if you look at, I mean, just cell phones and, and media and, and all of this, it's just, it, it can be consuming at times in our life. Um, and some of that, I mean, is, is natural and you can't get away from. I mean, it's normal for, for a parent to be distracted and worrying about their children. Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't bad things. Um, but they're also, yeah, we have to, we have to look at our own lives and see, um, in what ways am I living a, a distracted life? Mm-hmm. Because if we're living, 
uh, choosing to live very distracted lives, then we can't expect our times of prayer to be uh, free from distractions. Yeah, so I think that uh, those sort of things in our life, um, these sort of worldly distractions, this, this sort of the modern sort of situation of, of what people deal with, I think it's important to um, maybe look at the different things that are happening, you know, right before prayer. Um, if we're uh, if we're watching television or if we're uh, on the internet, um, those are things that are not going that are going to carry into our prayer time. Um, in the spiritual tradition, um, many of the classic classical um, sort of authors on the spiritual life talk about this idea of um, proximate preparation for prayer and remote preparation for prayer. So this this uh, there's even like talk about what you're what's happening even before we even get to prayer. Um, those things are very important. Um, I know in my own life, uh, I'm usually uh, more focused in the mornings um, for our morning time of prayer, but in the afternoon, I find it. I find myself, you know, more prone to distraction, and that's just because the whole day has gone by, um, and I'm bringing all of that into prayer, um, whether it be emails that I that I haven't finished or uh, that I'm drafting in my head when prayer's going on, or whether it be. Um, yeah, just sort of difficulties or frustrations that I have with, that I'm having with different things going on in my life. Um, so I found that the best way to sort of deal with that is to have a little bit of time uh, before I, I go into prayer. And, and this isn't just something that, you know, you know, friars in a monastery can, can do. I think that we can use our time wisely. If we're going home um, after work in the car, uh, maybe it's better to, uh, just turn the radio off, uh, knowing that when we get home, we're going to uh, pray vespers or uh, do 15 minutes of mental prayer. Um, I think those are good strategies to sort of think about um, to sort of prepare ourselves to pray. And John of the Cross talks about how um, an attachment to uh, worldly things or sensual pleasures uh, will cause us to be distracted in prayer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because in the time of prayer, suddenly we don't have those um yeah, we don't have sensual pleasures anymore. And so if we're attached to those things when we're in the time of prayer, then suddenly we feel lost and our mind is turning to those things. So that's another thing just to look at in our own lives. Like what things are we attached to um, as far as, um, I mean, media is, I think is a big one in today's world. It's just we can be so attached to getting, always having the latest news and always knowing what's going on. So then when we get to prayer and it's just silent, it's our, our, we're expect our minds are like still going in circles. They're waiting for, for more information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I remember, um, I met someone recently who was uh, asking me what Bible app I use in prayer. And I was like, I would never bring anything <laughs> like that into prayer just because I know that it would be complete distraction for me. It's, it's just a temptation to just, um, maybe close the prayer app and go to something else that's on the cell phone. Um, so to know those things, if, if you're, you know, using your cell phone for, you know, your prayers or your rosary or doing your scripture reading, um, and there's the temptation to hit the home button and go look at something else, then maybe that's not the best way to pray because it's, right. it's just inviting distraction. Yeah. So we have to really know ourselves, look at what we're, what we're attached to, what causes us distraction, and then, um, work to lessen those things. Again, there are going to be certain things where, we can't, I mean, we can't do anything about certain distractions in our lives. Um, I know, like, for example, when we pray in the chapel, when you pray with 15 men in the same <laughs> chapel, um, it's just, there's there's constantly somebody moving or sneezing or coughing. Um, so there's always distraction in that regard. And there's nothing that can be done about that. But um, 
yeah, it's there. There are other types of distraction though that we can work to kind of minimize in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know we talk about fasting during Lent um, or eating less during the winter when we're less active. Um, I think the same goes for other sort of non-necessities in our life to to really think about fasting from um, electronics and seeing how that, yeah, experiment, right? See how that affects your prayer. Um, are you finding yourself being less distracted? Um, and then maybe using that information to to really consider, um, you know, do I need this in my life? Or um, do I need to be doing this, you know, in the two hours or so before prayer or some specified, you know, period of time? Um, and maybe fill the time instead with something that's a little bit more fruitful for prayer, whether it be spiritual reading um, or listening to uh, Carmelcast podcast, for instance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then there's another kind of distraction, I think, um, that's it, it's, it's involuntary. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost the way, just the way that our minds work and there's not much that we can do about it as far as, I mean, I've heard our, it heard, I've heard it said that our imaginations are like a stream uh, that are just constantly showing images or uh, ideas in our minds. Um, yeah. And there's, we can't, we can't stop that. That's just how we work as human beings. Yeah. That's our sort of natural, you know, intellectual condition. Right. Um, and the same thing goes for uh, I have an achy knee today or something like that. Like these are all things that we really have no. This is part of our human condition, right? Uh, that we have we get we get head colds, um, and the guy who's praying next to me has a, gets head colds too. Yeah. Um, so these are things that we can't really do anything about. Um, I think it's a good way to sort of introduce this distinction between sort of natural distractions and supernatural distractions. Those are both areas where we don't have control. Um, but we would deal with them slightly different ways because um, I'm thinking of supernatural distractions, not, you know, God distracting us from prayer with him or anything like that, but the enemy, right? Satan, the devil, um, sort of tempting us in prayer um, to think about things that, um, yeah, that lead us away from God, lead us towards sin even. Um, I know that there's people who are very advanced in the spiritual life who still struggle with this because the enemy does not want them um, to progress further. Uh, so it's important to sort of um, consider those two things because just the same way you're not going to, um, you know, fight well against a knee injury that's, you know, bugging you in prayer, we're not always equipped to fight or the dis- the distractions that the devil presents to us as well. And that's where prudence comes in. Right, yeah. So we don't always want to just try to fight or like put up a block against uh, the temptations that we face in prayer, whether they're supernatural or just natural, um, because often they just they can't be prevented. Um, so really, I mean, I think I think of two different ways then to kind of handle those situations. One is to make uh, distraction, whatever the distraction is, make that an object of your prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find this often if I'm very distracted and like you know a memory comes to my mind, well, I can relate that to Jesus, talk to him about it. Um, share that with him. Or even if I'm distract, distracted by an emotion, um, then that, again, is something I can bring into my prayer and make it an object of prayer. Yeah. I know a lot of people worry, too. And, um, and that kind of that worry or anxiety comes into their prayer a lot as a distraction. Um, that's something that's, I think, very fruitful to bring to the Lord because, you know, the future we're definitely not in control of. Um, and just just sort of an opportunity to make an act of trust, um, an act of hope, an act of faith uh, that that Jesus, you'll take care of this. And um, this is not what I need to be worrying about right now. Right. Yeah. And then 
Uh, another way then to, to handle these distractions is, is to acknowledge, yes, this is a distraction, but then just return our minds to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do that, we actually turn every distraction into an opportunity uh, to make an act of love in choosing to return our minds to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which I, I find so helpful because I can finish an hour of prayer. I can look back and be very discouraged saying, wow, I was distracted a hundred times during that hour of prayer. Um, or I can look back on that hour, the very same hour, and say, wow, I made 100 acts of love. <laughs> I chose a hundred times to say, no, Jesus, I love you more than this thing, and returning my thoughts and my minds to him. Um, yeah, so these were actually, these distractions become a blessing because they're an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea of distraction being an opportunity just because um, we mentioned before the opportunity to, to grow in knowledge about ourselves, the things that, um, what distracts us, what, what's getting in the way, what's getting in the way of this relationship that I want to value and, and make a priority in my life. Um, what is it about me that uh, is, it needs to change? What can grow? What can grow in more likeness to Jesus? And also those opportunities um, to take those distractions and then turn them back towards the Lord. Yeah. And so I think the main thing is just not to just dis- not to fall into despair. Um, I know during my novitiate, I uh, was going through a time where I was facing a lot of distractions and prayer. And uh, I was reading St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> and I, I go back to this all the time because it was just so consoling for me. Um, but St. Thomas Aquinas writes in... Uh, I know what in, you're going to say. <laughs> he writes in his Summa um, <laughs> that the force of the original intention mm-hmm. with which one sets about praying renders the whole prayer meritorious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what that means is if, if I go into this time of prayer desiring to give myself to God in prayer, mm-hmm. that's my intent. It doesn't matter how distracted I am throughout. The entire time was meritorious. Yeah. Um, and that just reminding myself of that at times of distraction, especially after a time of prayer when I'm looking back and I felt... Well, maybe I could have done, you know, more to stay focused during that time of prayer. It's easy to become discouraged, um, but I can at least find some consolation in knowing, like, the whole time of prayer was meritorious because I had a good intention at the beginning. Yeah, yeah it's, that's why it's, you know, perseverance is so important that we that we continue to to show up and we continue to intend um, the hours for the, the the time, not necessarily hours, but the time that we do um, in prayer uh, for specific intentions. Um, for the things that are important to us, the things that are that we want to bring to Jesus, we want to open the things that are important to us to the Lord, who is the most important thing to us. Yeah. All right. So now we can transition to the second difficulty in prayer that we wanted to talk about: um, dryness mm-hmm. or aridity in prayer, um, which is basically, I think we can we can describe it as just like a prolonged period of time without consolation or. Um, yeah, where we just really feel like maybe we're in a desert or that God has abandoned us. God's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say, again, this is something very normal that I think most people have experienced at one point or another if they're practicing prayer regularly in their lives. Right. I think to tie it back to the issue of distractions, I think it can also be a time where uh, we feel like we have no um, will to fight the distractions to like a prolonged period where just... Uh, we lose energy or the will to to sort of fight against the distractions that we have. And um, I think it can even turn into sort of a, a tepidity um, or maybe even like a sort of a laziness um, in, in sort of avoiding or fighting temptations. 
Yeah, and so there's there's a danger again in the same as in distractions as as viewing these too negatively, mm-hmm. um, because dryness in prayer again, um, it's very it's very often something that we can't do anything about. It's just a natural part of living a life of prayer. Um, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't get too frustrated with it as far as I think what people, there's a tendency for people just to, to become discouraged or to, to, to feel like they are doing something wrong, that they're being lazy or lukewarm. Um, they've lost that fervor that they had before. Yeah, I think it's a consolation um, for those who who are experiencing dryness or aridity in prayer um, that there are a lot of examples uh, of saints who have who have experienced this and who have uh, really struggled with it. Um, I think the probably the 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 clearest one to me uh, would be Saint Teresa of Lisieux, right? Uh, Even when she first entered, she's sixteen year old um, teenager, right, entering the Carmel. In France, and uh, you would think that you know this is what she always wanted. This is what she's been working to uh, for for so long, um, and she really wasn't feeling any consolation as a result of that. Um, and here and there, God would give her little um, moments of grace, um, particularly uh, when she would make sort of a, a um, I guess, a transition within her her life of formation in the Carmel. Um, but then again, towards the end of her life, she was really struggling with this aridity. Um, and through it all, she maintained that trust and confidence um, that God was working and that God was uh, purifying her through these through yeah. these instances of, of dryness. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess that's not to say, though, that all dryness we can't do anything about either. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, certain, there are certain things in our lives where um, that'll, that'll just make us more... Uh, susceptible to be to dryness or aridity in prayer. Uh, John of the Cross gives a, a pretty good list. He talks about um, just sin, weakness, right. lukewarmness, um, but he also talks about uh, physical ailments or even just like psychological things too. Um, so yeah, it's good for us to talk to about those that we can perhaps maybe do something in our lives, change something sometimes. Um, one would be, I mean, obviously if, if you're living in a, in a state of serious sin, uh, then taking advantage of the church's sacraments of reconciliation. Um, that's a, a, a huge one um, that a lot of people, I think, neglect at times. Yeah, and we forget um, we forget about sort of the sacraments sometimes when we're so focused on, on prayer. If we're trying to grow in prayer, sometimes we, we don't, you know, think about it. Maybe, maybe even uh, there's no, you know, uh, mortal sins or, or just really serious sins that are, uh, you know, kind of infiltrating into our, our daily life. But if we're neglecting the sacrament of reconciliation for even venial sins, um, that can be sort of, yeah, a, a way that um, we can, um, we have to constantly remember, right? To, yeah. We to, grow more and more lukewarm right. slowly. And it's like, you know, the frog that's put into the, the water as it's boiling. So a, a lot of people, I think, when they're faced then with this dryness or aridity in prayer, they're, they're very concerned about the fact that, oh, well, I'm, I'm being lazy, I'm becoming lukewarm, or I'm backsliding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the very fact <laughs> that you're, you're very concerned about that being yeah. the case is a sign that that's not true. Um, this is an example, perhaps, of just the this sort of aridity or dryness that's either just natural in our lives or perhaps something that God is uh, using to invite us, 
like we talked about in the last episode, he's using to invite us to simpler forms of prayer. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people who are who do end up sort of tending towards lukewarmness, um, suddenly they they wake up and one day and realize I don't pray as much as I used to. It's it's more sort of a it's not something that they're they're worried about because they've become sort of apathetic about you know remaining uh, close to the time of prayer and remaining close to the Lord uh, through all of these this aridity. Um, there's a there's a temptation there to sort of fall back. Um, prioritize other things that maybe come up and maybe seem more important at the time. Um, yeah. But it's, it's always, you know, important to keep prayer, uh, at, you know, at the center of our life. Yeah. And then there are also, I think, just like more natural um, causes of aridity um, in our lives. Perhaps we're just not in a good place mentally or, or physically. Um, yeah. There's, there's times when we can just be, uh, psychologically i think closed down to receiving much of anything mm-hmm. um and sometimes i mean sometimes we need to address those issues first we need to address the health issue the physical or mental health issue right um because that can be what's causing our, our experience of dryness yeah and it's always important to seek the people who are best equipped to help with those situations whether they be um, doctors for medical issues and counseling for the psychological issues. Yeah, so we're just going to find that there there are certain times in our spiritual lives where we face this, where we face aridity, where we face dryness. We feel alone. We feel perhaps like God's abandoned us. Um, but the the real, um, yeah, we just have to remember not to despair. We have to remember that this is a normal part of the ups and downs of our spiritual life. Um, and really, we should we can be thankful for these times because mm-hmm. like we said with distractions these are actually opportunities uh to show greater love mm-hmm. when we're feeling very close to god when we're feeling very yeah just uh good feelings in prayer um those are you know great times we can be thankful for those times but when we're feeling totally empty and desolate um we can view the again these are great opportunities because i'm going to prayer not because of what i'm going to get out of it but just because i love god and i want to spend time with him yeah, I think that's really important, um, and I think that's that's something that comes comes you know again and again in, in uh, the writings of of the saints um, of Carmel. Just that idea that's um, yeah, in the times of aridity, you you see some of the the great um, sort of uh, incredible, profound spiritual writings that that uh, some of our saints have written during times uh, of this of you know desolation. Um, the spiritual canticle, one of the most beautiful um, poems in Spanish, the Spanish language was written at a time when uh, St. John of the Cross was imprisoned by his own brothers. And just imagine the, the sort of situational sort of um, aridity that comes from that. And uh, also I think of, again, St. Therese of Lisieux um, in the infirmary in the monastery of Lisieux and uh, just writing these incredible spiritual gems that have brought so much uh, peace and consolation to people throughout uh, the centuries since their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reminded of um, Teresa of Avila. She writes in one of her letters uh, to Father Gratian. Uh, He, it's interesting because Teresa addresses him using code names often. (laughs) And he's writing to her about um, his experiences in prayer. And she's writing back to him. And she is, she's very excited to see that he is experiencing a time of aridity. 
Um, and she actually says that this is, this is true prayer. Mm-hmm. She says that this, this is the best kind of prayer then. Um, because yes, we have the opportunity to, to remain in prayer simply because we love God. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's so many opportunities for, for grace during those times. Cause it's so easy, right. In those times to just, okay, maybe I'll try again tomorrow. Um, and I think that's where we start going down the slippery slope of lukewarmness, right? Well, maybe tomorrow will be better. And then tomorrow comes and we don't feel anything any different, right? So it's, uh, it's suddenly we're not praying anymore. Um, so yeah, this opportunity I think is, is really uh, important to, to really use, uh, these moments, these seasons in our prayer life, uh, to, to show great love, uh, to God in prayer. And so there, there are, even though um, we may not be able to, to do anything to get rid of the times of aridity, there are, are things that we can do uh, to help us to, to stay faithful during those times of prayer. I find uh, two particular kinds of prayer helpful for me when I'm facing great dryness in prayer. Um, so one is petitionary prayer, which is what we're talking about here, is praying for mm. other people. Um, and the second kind is just prayers of thanksgiving. So thanking God for all the gifts in my life. And what I find is that both of these types of prayer really kind of, they draw you out of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're facing dryness and already, it's, it's easy just to focus on the desert within, um, and it just seems endless. Um, but these two types of prayer, I find for myself anyways, they really, yeah, they f- help me to focus on what God has given me, the gifts, focus on other things outside of myself, and turn away from uh, myself and towards God. Yeah, and this is a very classical form of prayer. The Ignatian style, they refer to this as recollection, um, the recalling of uh, previous graces when, when prayer is particularly difficult. Um, to, that's why in Ignatian spirituality, journaling is, is a huge part of that, to, to keep a record of different consolations that we receive during prayer. Um, so this is, you know, this is not something that anyone's making up, but this is really a part of the tradition uh, to, to draw back on those memories. And you're also feeding the memory um, you know, memories of God, memories of grace, memories when we were receiving spiritual gifts. Um, I think this is really important uh, during these times to, to just recall of um, the great things God's done for us and the, the great love he has for us, even when, um, you know, so to speak, the Lord's sleeping uh, in, this, in this prayer. Yeah, and so we can view these times then as really great opportunities um, to make acts of love, but also acts of faith, um, when you talk about when the Lord's sleeping, um, that reminds me so much of both uh, St. Therese and St. Elizabeth of the Trinity speak about uh, this reality. Uh, St. Therese speaks about how she was facing a time of great dryness in her prayer. Um, and so she writes about it as the fact that the Lord was sleeping in her boat. Um, recalling the gospel story when the Lord was asleep in the boat. And there's a lot of turmoil and outside and around. And um, what St. Elizabeth of the Trinity writes is, uh, what 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 a great thing it is just to let him sleep, mm-hmm. um, just to know that he's there in your boat, and that's enough. Like yeah. I trust, I make an act of faith, I remain there in faith with him, uh, and just yeah, let him sleep. Yeah, and we have that act of faith too. That even though he's asleep or far away, or it seems that way, he's he's really not. He's still very close. Um, but also that he he'll wake up again, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Nada de Torba, right? The famous prayer of, of Saint Teresa: "Let nothing disturb you. All things are passing." Right. Um, you know, all. So it's it's important to just really keep in mind um, that uh, all things are passing. You know, this is this is uh, a temporary time. a temporary thing, and uh, even if this 
prolonged period lasts to the time of my death, right? At least at the end of that time, having been faithful, the Lord uh, will greet us and, uh, you know, when we enter into his kingdom. Yeah, and I think that brings us really to maybe like one last difficulty we, we could talk about, or really it's the remedy for these two difficulty, difficulties we've talked about so far for both distractions and for dryness in prayer, and that is uh, perseverance. Of course, yeah. Um, it, it is hard to persevere in prayer day <laughs> after day after day, um, and aridity and distractions m- make that even harder. Um, but that's the solution to all of these all of these things is to stay with it. That's the most important thing in the life of prayer really is, is to continue to practice it. Yeah, and it's one of the great Theresian virtues, as I say, is determination, perseverance, um, to again and again with greater vigor, greater strength, uh, greater determination to, to, yeah, chase Jesus until he stops running away. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a, to, you know, and this is really the, the sentiment in the Song of Songs, for instance, um, you know, searching for the beloved, right? This is uh, a huge part of Carmelite spirituality is that we, you know, night after night, we, we still, we go and we, we search for him. Um, and even during those times of, you know, long, dark nights, um, yeah. that it's important to, to, yeah, keep going, keep, keep searching, keep looking. Yeah. Related um, to that, I, there's something I remind myself in prayer sometimes, um, is that, um, just the weight itself, waiting for the Lord, that, that is sweet enough just to keep me there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's what the Christian life is about. It's not about the, the times where we just feel great things. It's about this journey of always moving forward and seeking the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so even, yeah, even that waiting for him, that's what it, really what it means to be in prayer, yeah. to be constantly seeking him. And I think tied to, you know, perseverance and, it, you know, persevering and being determined determined in prayer, I think it's also important during these times to be determined and persevering outside of prayer as well in acts of charity. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think of like the, you know, waiting on the Lord, like we're waiting for him in prayer, but we're also waiting on him like like a server at a restaurant, right? Like we're doing things for him. We're, we're, we, we continue to, to, you know, work in the apostolate to, to bring about the kingdom. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think of the perfect example, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, um, even though she experienced prolonged periods of aridity, that she was constantly, um, you know, drawing that energy towards uh, the apostolate, towards charity, towards, um, yeah, uh, just bringing about the kingdom on earth. Yeah, and that's what St. Teresa talks about um, several times in her writing is that the, the true fruit of prayer isn't these good feelings. It's not ecstasy. Mm-hmm. It's not these things. The true fruit of prayer is the virtues, mm-hmm. growth and virtues. And so this is, again, how we can look at look at our, our lives, look at our times of prayer, and rather than become discouraged, like, oh, I'm always distracted. I'm always, uh, my prayer is always very dry. I, I must be doing this wrong. It says, it's no, we should look, how are we loving in our lives? How are we loving our brothers and sisters? How are we growing in the virtues? And that's really how we tell um, if our time of prayer is fruitful. Right. And that's not to say that, you know, we're, instead of praying, we're going to go, you know, work in a soup kitchen. It's, you know, you're doing both. Yes. It's a prolonged determination, a continued perseverance in prayer, and also, you know, really enkindling the fruits of prayer in our acts of charity, our acts of love towards one another. Yeah, and I think that's a great transition then into what we wanted to read uh, from 
from centuries of Avila this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, these are really all the sentiments that uh, she talks about. Yeah. So uh, this week, our reading is from uh, the book of her life, the so-called autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. Um, and this is a section that we've talked about before um, because it comes from the, the teaching on the four waters. And this, this passage in particular um, is coming from the first water. And uh, it'll sound familiar because we've, we've talked a lot about these themes a little bit before, but I think it's uh, a really appropriate reading for today's uh, topic. But what will they do here who see that after many days there is nothing but dryness, distaste, vapidness, and very little desire to come to draw water? So little is the desire to do this, that if they don't recall that doing so serves and gives pleasure to the Lord of the garden, and if they aren't careful to preserve the merits acquired in this service, and even what they hope to gain from the tedious work of often letting the pail down into the well, and pulling it back up without any water, they will abandon everything. It will frequently happen to them that they will even be unable to lift their arms for this work and unable to get a good thought. But as I am saying, what will the gardener do here? He will rejoice and be consoled and consider it the greatest favor to be able to work in the garden of so great an emperor. This gardener helps Christ carry the cross and reflects that the Lord lived with it all during his life. He doesn't desire the Lord's kingdom here below or ever abandon prayer. And so he is determined, even though this dryness may last for his whole life, not to let Christ fall with the cross. The time will come when the Lord will repay him all at once. He doesn't fear that the labor is being wasted. He is serving a good master whose eyes are upon him. Hey everyone, Brother Pier Giorgio here. Thanks for checking out this episode of CarmelCast. If you want to hear more of us, don't forget to click subscribe. Want more information on Carmelite spirituality and the Discalced Carmelite Saints? Then you'll want to check out our website, www.icspublications.org. There's a link in the description of this episode. From here, you can see all our current promotions and access our complete catalog for the writings of St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, and St. Edith Stein. If you want to stay up to date on all our promotions and new titles, then be sure to add your email to our email list. There's no better way to stay up to date on the latest Carmelite publications. Thanks for joining us, and may God bless you.